Furch, Furch le pegó. If Callan scores, NYCFC win. Underway here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Herc Luis Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Two finals, two penalty shootouts, Herc. An awful lot of drama to squeeze into 48 hours over this past weekend. Yeah, a lot of drama, a lot of good moments. I can't recall a more thrilling weekend, if I'm being honest, between these two leagues. Absolutely. They uh, certainly put on a show. Plenty to discuss in the coming episode of this show. We got Christian Pulisic transfer report, Herc that is now growing legs. Plus, you'll also find this very interesting. Another U.S. international, a former teammate of yours, under fire in the German press. We'll talk about that later in the show. We got mm. new champions in the mm. collegiate game here in the United States. And, Herc, we have a UEFA Champions League draw gone horribly, horribly wrong. Of course, all that available for you on the Football Americas podcast. But we got to start this show with the finals. Let's start with the one that uh, ended on Sunday, of course, uh, down in Mexico, Atlas and Leon. Second leg between these two Sunday at the rocking Estadio Jalisco. Leon, of course, uh, winning the first leg 3-2 at home. And Atlas going after that first title since 1951. Her 28th minute amazing play here from Camilo Vargas. <laughs> So Julian Quinones should have done something different here, Quinones. Like what? That was going to be a Puskas-Kes goal. The ball, the outlet is ridiculous by Camilo Vargas, who upped his game. A little through ball here. It's Julian Quinones again. What do you think, Seb? Penalty? Penalty? I thought it was a penalty. What do you think? Nah, come on. <laughs> uh, here's the goal for Atlas. Aldo Rocha. The question here is, was he onside? Yeah, first glance, very tight. What was called here... No offsides. I think mm. it's so tight. Not a definitive angle. You have to go with what's called on the field. It's not clear and obvious. I've got no issue. 73rd minute. Rodolfo Cota. He came up big just to keep Leon in this one. Huge save at the near post. And how about this in the 81st? What? Edgar Saldivar. Oh, Hurt, no. how, does this, how does this happen? Oh, no. Oh, the title no. on his head. Oh, no. 70 years. My knees got weak. No. What happened, Coca? All right, so Saldivar again, this time denied by Cota there. And then what about this, Herc, in oh, stoppage time? El Gigliotti Puma. sees red. Yeah, should have saw it, did see it, he's gone. Elias Hernandez one-on-one -on -one here, Camilo Vargas comes up big, and we were going to the penalty shootout. Camilo, big save right there on Fernando Navarro. That was the first miss for Leon. Luis Montes, same side. Oh, big, big save again for Camilo Vargas. Yeah. Look at that. Hey, wedding day. You got to put everything on pause when Atlas about to win the title. And they were about to as our, as our good friend, Football America's guest, Julio Ford steps up and sends it into the net, ending a 70-year wait. Atlas, the champions, Herc, of Mexico. Here they are. La verdad que feliz, orgulloso, contento. Eh, con ganas de festejar, cayendo de lo que estamos logrando, de, de la gente que se nos acercó ahora cuando terminamos diciendo que, 
que los padres este, no habían visto al Atlas campeón, que nadie había visto al Atlas campeón, que había mucha, muy poca gente que lo había visto campeón. Me ha tocado y ya, ya lo he vivido. Y estoy convencido que en este club va a pasar lo mismo que me pasó en Racing. Van a pasar los años y la gente que me cruce hincha de este club seguramente me va a seguir agradeciendo. A mí y a los muchachos. Así que lo que hemos logrado va a ser eterno. Va a ser eterno. Speaking of eterno, for something so historic like Atlas winning their first title since 1951, we had no choice but to bring a guest with the quality, with the weight of Mauricio Pedrosa, who joins us here on Football Américas. Welcome, as always, to the show, Mao. What's up, boys? Happy to be here. On such a historic occasion, no less. So let's dive right into it. The, the Atlas goal and, and Mao, the controversy surrounding it. Because you, of all people, have been, have been on Twitter all day. He thinks Aldo Rocha was offside. Plus, plus, yeah. you're upset about how the VAR handled this. So, so what do you think? Is Atlas the beneficiary here of some poor officiating or what? Yes, absolutely, 100%. They did benefit a lot for many controversial decisions, not only during the final, but going go way back to the regular season, uh, their clash against Monterrey, and then some controversial decisions also against Leon in the first match. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not deserving champions. I believe they earned it, and, and rightfully so. They were the better team, but you know how in many uh, other sports like baseball, football, NBA, we always ask ourselves the question, is there an asterisk attached mm. to the championship? And to me, I believe that at least we need to have the conversation. Is there a little asterisk that we need to add whenever we talk about this championship again? The answer to me is yes, because every single controversial decision went in favor of Atlas. But again, that doesn't mean that they're not the rightful winners of the league. My man, whatever you're sipping, I want some, because that is crazy <laughs> to me. Are we not going to just for a second point out the obvious that Atlas, the number two overall seed, the best defensive team in all of Mexico, gave up 10 regular season goals, five in this six series. I mean, 20, 23 games, 15 goals given up. One of the best offensive teams outplayed every single opponent. Monterrey outplayed him in 180 minutes. Pumas mm. outplayed him in 180 minutes. Didn't outscore him. Leon didn't outplayed him. In 180 minutes, this game, this second leg, mm. should have been a 4-0, mm. maybe a fair. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe I'm stretching it. Could have been 5. Honestly, they were you that are. good, that that dominant. And we're going to sit here and we're going to nitpick a play that but by millimeters, hurt. in a different angle, and in an inconclusive angle, we're going to say... It was offsides. I don't think there's a conclusive angle where you can say that's clear and obvious and it could be overturned on the field, which is what the rule is, by the way. So I have two very specific points uh, about Sunday's game. So to me, the referee had to call offsides on Atlas goal for one very clear reason. The VAR showed only one replay and in that replay, Aldo Rocha is offside. It mm. is very clear. I understand a lot of people are saying, it's, it's, to me, it's not obvious because the angle is not right. But we don't have any other angle. By, by looking at that only angle, he's offside, and that goal no, has to be No, but he can't change his own decision we have, if, he's not, if it's not conclusive in his mind. 
it is very, that picture, that image is very, now, we also have to talk about the penalty against Angel Mena. And I'm very, mm. very surprised mm. that the TV broadcast only showed one angle of that play. And funny enough, is the angle from the opposite side from a very, very far distance. Are you telling me with 20 to 25 different cameras and that broadcast, that's the only angle they're going to use to call a penalty? Let me Again, ask you a question. I'm not Mauricio saying they don't Pedrosa. deserve it. You are right. Let me ask they you a question. Out, that's exactly, that's yes, exactly what, ahead, I, what I ask you, my man, because because you're because you're intelligent enough. You've covered this game a lot of years in a lot of different uh, platforms, a lot of different uh, stages, scenarios. Did Atlas show you enough in those 90 minutes to win that game, in those 180 minutes the to be the champion? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. They, they, they ended up needing penalty kicks no, to win course. the trophy. I mean, hey, that's not, that's hey, not exaggerating. We've seen world champions. We've seen world cups be defined or try. from the spot. We've seen it. We saw the MLS Cup final defined from the spot. What I'm saying to you I is understand. We, we, we're trying to grasp at straws as, what, as to why Atlas shouldn't be champions. Look at all the help they received from the referees. Nobody ever talks about how dominant they were in the regular season. They talk okay. about circumstantial things like camera angles. Like, look what happened here. Why didn't they call that there? I agree with what you're saying. You would imagine in a grand spectacle like a Liga MX final that you'd have a hundred different cameras, a hundred mm. different views. Yes. But given the circumstances, are we really going to nitpick at what Atlas has just done? I'll, I'll finish this, this conversation with this. Let, let me refresh your memory. And let's go back to the last tournament. Not this season, the past season. When Diego Coca was about to be fired. Remember how things started going right for Atlas? That very controversial decision when America presented a lineup it's not so controversial. A it's it's a dumb rule, but it's from still a rule. On, from yeah. then on, do you agree with me that every single controversial decision went in favor of Atlas? Yes or no? No, because I don't know every single controversial decision. I mean, it's it's it's, it's and I'll, I'll leave it this way. I My think dude, it, I think it's come on. I think it's a useless argument because mm -hmm. it's like saying America always gets the calls, Chivas always gets the calls. Oh, stop, I think in the end stop, the game stop. levels. Oh, That's what it is. Gosh. That's what you're saying. That's exactly you wanna, what you're saying. Guys, if you want to argue, if you want to argue against Atlas Meritos against their merits for winning this title, just point to the fact that they didn't win a single one of their. Quarterfinal, not the first semifinal, time we've seen this. Sure. Not final, the first time we've seen this on anything other but the tiebreaker. Hold on, hold on. Not the first time we've seen this in Mexican soccer. Yeah, and people and people have said in the past that those teams didn't deserve to win either. So what are you going to do, Seb? Nobody wins the tournament. No, I'm saying there's a, there's a fair case to be discussed here about Atlas. Maybe maybe then it's not to go as far as to say that they're not deserving. Okay, that's the extreme. But to say they were dominant or that they were overwhelming in any way, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch too. Mm -mm, they were not. Let, let's let's focus on Leon then. Because everything's set up here for Leon. You're up 3-2, going into the second leg. Now, how do they blow it? How much responsibility here is on Leon? So they changed the game plan from the first leg to the set to the second leg. And I did not understand why. They actually outplayed Atlas during that first leg. They had the better chances. They controlled possession. 68% of the possession went in favor of Leon. They had not only the better chances, they had more chances by far than Atlas, but they just won by that one goal. It was a closer game by the end, by the end result. But for the second leg, I believe uh, Ariel Holland made a crucial mistake.
which was starting without at least one of the two best players that Leon has on their roster, which is playing with either Chapito Montes or Fernando Navarro. Yeah. He lost control of the midfield. He, he, he was okay with giving away the ball and having Atlas playing on their half of the field. Without Chapito and without Fernando Navarro, they lost control of the game. It's not coincidence that when they both were on the field, even playing with 10 men, Leon was having the control of the ball. Yeah, this is where I agree 100% with Mauricio is he gave the initiative. He gave the mm. ball to Atlas. Atlas is a team that normally didn't have a lot of the ball throughout its, you want to say, uh, playoffs. It was a team that depended on, you know, its ability to defend, absorb, and then counterattack. Leon was the quite opposite. They need the ball. They want that high pressure. They want numbers around the final third. They want to get the fullbacks involved. And in two of the games that they gave the ball away in the playoffs, they lost both. Tigres in, in what was the Volcan in Monterrey, and this final. They gave the ball away. They gave the initiative, and maybe he could say, Holland could say, well, Chapito Montes is coming back from injury. Fernando Navarro is coming back from injury. But when you give a team like that the ball in that type of home environment, that atmosphere, and you give them confidence, they're going to do that. So, Leon, then, you're a 2021 League's Cup champions. They'll have to await for further silverware. So let's get to the brass tacks here. Just how big of a deal is this for Atlas and their supporters? But Mal, Herc, before I hear from you, I want to hear from one of Atlas' most successful alums, Andres Guardado. Here's he, what he had to say about Atlas' first title since 1951. Y justo le decía a mis compañeros cuando salió el partido, le dije, ya sería la noche perfecta porque ganamos 4-0 y ya sería la noche perfecta que mi Atlas se quede campeón y ya va así que me puedo morir en paz. Cuando cae el gol de Furch, el penalti, ¿qué hiciste? Mira, como, como, te, como estaba en mi cama a oscuras con mis hijos dormidos, <risa> que no, no, podía, no, no, podía, no podía hacer mucho ruido, lo que me salió fue, fue saltar en mi cama y... y fue inevitable que no, no, no ponerme a llorar. O sea, literal, me puse a llorar. So, Mau, uh, let's compare, like, the media coverage, maybe the fan reaction is this. The, the obvious comparison point is Cruz Azul, who won their first title in 24 years, <laughs> six months ago. How does what Atlas did compare to what Cruz Azul did in terms of reaction? This is bigger. This is more important, and obviously, for the historic context, is more transcendental than Cruz Azul's championship of last season. Several reasons for that. Atlas, for many, many years, they were known as the team that did things the right way. They were using a lot of homegrown players. They were using tactics that were appealing for the audience. They were treating the ball right. That's what they used to say. They used to call Los Amigos del Balón. Atlas was a team known as Los Amigos del Balón. But for all, also for that reason, whenever they had a, a very good players, they became more sellers than buyers. And, and that balance was really never there. Also, I think we, we all saw the game last night. That atmosphere, mm. if you were watching on TV and you didn't feel a FOMO, fear of missing out, you wanted <laughs> to be there because it was just so special. That crowd was electric. They Actually, I believe they gave a big push to the players when things were not going well for Atlas. So to me, in terms of historic context, this is more important, more transcendental than Cruz Azul's championship last season. No doubt. 
Absolutely. Maybe Atlas on paper doesn't have the stellar names like Cruz Azul, America, Chivas, Pumas. Maybe they don't have that type of historic feel to the grandeza, how big the team they are. But it's a, a team that's 105 years old. One title, 1951, a 70-year drought. A team that was long suffered to have a new injection of investment and have things turn around this way. I was getting messages from players, current, ex-players, people that were casuals to Liga MX, asking if this type of environment was normal in the league. I believe it gave Liga MX an injection that America, Chivas, Tigres, Monterrey, all these different teams over the years haven't given it to the casual viewer because when you see that atmosphere, you were blown away. Honestly, it was a spectacle. It was something to be seen. Mm, absolutely. Then, so uh, Atlas win their first title since 1951, first title in 70 years. And of course, you know, guys, there was a reaction from the neighbor, the rivals Ooh. in the city of Guadalajara, Chivas. Are you cool with it, gentlemen? Did you see this on Twitter? Chivas, in the immediate aftermath of the Atlas title, uh, sends out a tweet with all of their trophies, a, I think, sarcastic congratulations, uh, and then a look at, uh, at Atlas titles. Mao, what'd you make of this? Are you cool with it from Chivas? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not cool with this. I think it's just it is disrespectful. It's uncalled for, and the timing, the timing of it was really, really bad. I believe, had they waited 24 hours to post that tweet, that wow. reaction would it's be a little bad. different. It's still it bad. It would be a little. It would. It. I it wouldn't be as mad as I yeah. was last night. I called them classless. And that's exactly what I believe it was. And the bottom line to me is this. It doesn't matter if you're not an Atlas fan. I believe 95% of the soccer population in Mexico or here in the U.S. that follow Mexican soccer, everybody was rooting for mm, Atlas. Fair. So once they won, everybody wanted to be a part of it. And for Chivas to try to steal the thunder in that classless way, I think speaks volumes of the current state mm. of Chivas. It's a classless club with no Ooh. direction whatsoever. So a, a few things here. Obviously, the person in charge of social media wants to drive engagement that it did. So they managed to steal a little thunder, which is what Marisa's talking about. I agree. But if you're a Chivas fan or if you're the content manager of Chivas and you're looking at those titles, five of those were in black and white. And, and a lot of them were when the league was an amateur league. It wasn't a professional league. So hold your horses because in this century, you've only got one more title than Atlas. Only one more title than Atlas. So come on, settle down. Hey, I'm with Mao here. This is this is very much a reflection of Chivas, isn't it? Like, how insecure yeah. are you that your neighbors win a title for the first time since 1951, and within seconds, you're tweeting something as snarky as this? If Chivas were winning titles, I guarantee you it wouldn't be happening like that. You guys so there hate you Chivas. It. Oh, please. Unbelievable. Please, you with your agendas. You with your many agendas here on Football America. <laughs> you're right, A man you're with right, no Sebi. agenda, Mauricio Pedrosa. His only agenda Never. is to work hard. You can see him here on Football Americas and five days a week with Herc on Ahora Nunca. Mal, thanks as always for joining us. Mis amigos, gracias. Arriba el Atlas. <laughs> We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. <laughs> the best setting yet for a game that annually decides the champion team. Signal from Maxi Morales. Castellanos! It's crept in! It's another horrible moment for Steve Clark. Bravo tipping it into the box. Jimmy Chara heading it into the air. Mavial leaving it. Needs going on. Shot is blocked. Yeah. Yeah. scored. Yeah. Morales scored. Morales done it. The Timbers are alive. And MLS Cup. How many times has he been through this rigmarole? And he too is denied by Johnson. in Mexico and what a weekend in Portland. Portland, New York City FC for MLS Cup on Saturday. Portland chasing their second ever MLS Cup title. New York City their first. Of course, a packed house. The New York City fans, they traveled well. 41st minute. Turk, how does Tati Castellanos get this wide open? Ha! That's what he does. That's the golden boo right there. Why are you asking that type of question? Why don't you ask why nobody wants to mark him? Because he's going to get open. Manhattan celebrating. Uh -oh. And this ugly scene, beer cans coming in from the fans in Portland and strikes Jesus Medina. Scary moment, Herc. I mean, it's scary because you never want to see anything like this. Credit to the Portland fans who identified these idiots, got them out of there, expulsion and prosecution. So fourth minute of stoppage time. Here comes the Timbers equalizer. More right spot and a finish. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's like three seconds left. It's a buzzer beater equalizer. Is there a foul? What do you Did you think there was? Did you think there was on Larry Smabiala crashing into Maxime Cheneau? No, I, I think Maviala got the That's ball. That's a foul. Seven, it's a foul every day of the week, Herc, and you wait, know Wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. It's a foul? What did the guys on the desk say to you? Diego Valeri with his shot, stopped by Sean Johnson. Oh, that one stings. Oh, one of a couple misses for Portland, yeah, and his finale. And then Alexander Kayans, you know what he's gonna do. Right down the middle, New York City FC are champions of Major League Soccer, and the folks in the Big Apple celebrate accordingly. They joined the league in 2015, and for the first time, they can say they are holders of MLS Cup. Congratulations to New York City FC. If Callum scores, NYC FC win. So New York City then go to Portland and win MLS Cup, doing so in impressive and dramatic fashion, of course, via the penalty kick shootout. So, Herc, everything's set up for Portland. You're at home. You got the cold. You got the rain. You got New York City traveling 3,000 miles. What went wrong? <laughs> well, apparently everything. You know, the one thing that I 
loved watching with Portland was the intensity, the way they attacked teams, because they were a team that's okay with giving the ball away, okay with sitting, absorbing, because they've got playmakers all over the field. Dairon Aspria, uh, his, his 10-plus goals this season, how important he was, a banner year for him. Sebastian Blanco coming back at the right time. Yaroslav Nizgoda, the DP, coming back at the right time. Maybe get Diego Valeri on, you would assume, a lot more than five minutes. They're just playmakers all over the field that can make things happen. That didn't show up. It's as easy as that. The Portland playmakers mm. didn't show up. Giovanni Savaresi in the biggest game of his career with the Portland Timbers at home in front of that faithful. And what Merrick Paulson said was the biggest coaching job in North American soccer didn't live up to the billing. And he's a guy that I immensely enjoy watching, that I immensely believe in. But this game, they lost it in every single facet. It was a last-second equalizer set. And, and yep. a polemic one at that because you felt it should have been a foul. Yep. This wasn't the Portland of old. It seemed like they were outdone mentally in their own home. I wonder where specifically you think Giovanni Savarese got it wrong. Because as I'm watching this game, Herc, I'm with you. I'm saying, man, the Portland Timbers are at home. There's a responsibility. There's an onus, no matter how you play, to, to be on the ball and be the aggressor. And I didn't see that from this team. But the counter to that is, well, that's who the Timbers are. That's what Giovanni Savaresi plays. So what, what's the correct answer there? Should, should Portland change what they do because they're at home? Or should you stick to what got you there? The moment they go down a goal, it's tactics out the window because Portland's a team that's made to absorb, made to so counter, made to go. So he waited too long on the subs. That's your criticism. He waited too long on the subs well, or yes. got them wrong? Well, that's one of the criticisms, absolutely, because if that goal by Felipe Mora doesn't go in, that last gap equalizer, mm -hmm. we're all asking, Diego Valeri only gets how much yeah. time? Yeah, what's the point of bringing on Diego Valeri in the 89th? I mean, that's almost that's – almost an insult, right? It, it like, is an insult. Yeah. With, it, with all due respect to Giovanni Savaresi, because he knows a lot more because he's been there in that position. But this is the all-time best player in Portland Timbers Major League Soccer history. <laughs> and you need a play. You need not just a goal. You need something. You need something to happen. And, and he can give you a set piece. He can create something out of nothing. He can even be the guy putting the ball in the back of the net for you. But when you give him that little time, you're mm. sending a message, not only to Diego Valeri, Valeri, but the rest of the group. And it just felt like... Oh, it was a grasping at straws type of situation that ended up working out. But honestly, it wasn't what I expected out of Portland. I expected Portland to suffocate New York City FC, not mm. let them be the aggressors. So let's turn our attention then to the team that won. We should probably give them some credit. And you say Portland stars didn't show up. Okay, New York City's one biggest star, he did show up. And he showed up almost every single time, Herc, that he was on the field in the playoffs. He gets a goal in this game in the 41st minute. We saw it there. Yes, it was wide open, but you still got to finish it. I know Carles Gil won the MVP of this season in Major League Soccer, but are you telling me that Tati Castellanos isn't the best player in the league right now? Mm-mm. Mm -mm -mm. I can't tell you that, man, because he's the most complete player in Major League Soccer. At his 23 years of age, I could only think of a select few that influence the game the way he does. A Carlos Vela in his prime, that 2019 year. A, a Giovanni, or I'm sorry, a, a Sebastian Jovinko type player. Like those players who you know can beat you in so many different facets that are so complete, they can affect the game to you and their teammates. I mean, they can hurt you 
and they can make their teams, teammates better to hurt you. They're that type of player. He's that type of guy. He's 23 years old, and I think I'm looking at the most complete player in Major League Soccer today. He can play as a center forward. He can play on the wing. He's good on the dribble. He's got great pace. He can beat you in the air, electric shots. He's good at combining. He does it all, and he's got this attitude. He's got a mm. little bite to him that I love. A little bite. A little bite, man. He's got some edge. He's definitely, uh, I think, crossed paths with a disciplinary committee a, a time or two this year. The stats are great, right? 18 goals, 9 assists in the regular season. Three goals in the playoffs, Sark. He really brought it when his team needed him the most. I think the question now three games, is, by the way. is is how long is he going to be in New York City? Because remember, on one of the last episodes of the show, I was giving New York City a lot of credit for keeping him earlier this year when there was multi-million dollar interest from abroad. Yeah, well, I don't Brazil. know if you saw this today, but Pep Guardiola was asked about it in his press conference on Monday about Tati Castellanos, and he actually said, I think Castellanos is ready for Europe. He's linked to the Premier League. Do you think he's he's that good? Is he ready for not just anywhere in Europe, but the Premier League specifically? Because the last guy we saw go MLS to the Premier League is Miguel Almiron, and I don't think he had the impact that a lot of us thought he would. Not the direct impact. I mean, how good did you think Miguel Aminion was going to be at Newcastle? A team I that, thought he was going to be better a, than a goal a every, every 11 itself. games in I the mean, Premier League. If you put Miguel Aminion on a different team, I think you may get a different outside, different result. You put Tati Castellanos on City, and I guarantee you he's going to score goals because they're going to create goal scoring opportunities for him, and he's that good. Yeah, but you know he's never going to get in the team at City. So, yeah, so where do you think he lands? That's the thing. Where do I think he lands? He's, what's, what's the one limitation on him right now? What's the limitation on most guys when they go to a team or a league like Premier League? That physically it's not good? Well, guess what is good in Major League hmm. Soccer? Physicality. I think technically he's good. I think physically he's good. His tactical understanding is great. I think he can play in any league. Now, if we're talking about top five leagues, top teams, that's a different story. The respect factor when it comes to Major League Soccer and making the jump is a bit different. But he's 23 years old. He was getting looks at with the Argentine Olympic team. I really think this guy can make the jump and be an impact player on very good European teams. Okay, well, if he stays, it'll go a long way in answering our next question, which is New York City FC the next dynasty, Herc, in Major League Soccer? We've kind of been waiting on one to... to, to to come up out of the nothing in the East since Toronto started to fade. Is New York City then, you think, the premier team moving forward in the Eastern Conference of Major League Soccer? If New York City FC keeps Tati Castellanos and they can rejuvenate themselves in certain areas, I already think they're a very good team. This is a team that's been no less I'm not less saying than, very good. I'm no, saying no, dynasty listen, of the East. Listen, Sebastian Salazar. This is a team that's been no less than fifth in the conference, and their conference since inception. They're, they're, they're used to being in the podium, one, two, or three on the Eastern Conference. I already think they're of that dynasty type. They just needed something like this to cement themselves. If they keep Tati Castellanos, I'm not talking dynasty Major League Soccer. I'm talking about the first team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. That's the hopes I have for New York City FC because of their style of play, because of the players they have, those impact players, because of where they play in Yankee Stadium, that baseball field, those tight confines, and the teams that are in the tournament for CONCACAF Champions League this year. I'm talking about the Mexican teams. This is the best year for Major League Soccer, the best chance they will have. New York City FC is my great hope for them. I, I just wonder, Herc, if a feeder club can be a dynasty. You know what I mean? Like, you look at New York Red Bulls, at some point, the way that system is set up, when they get players in, they got to sell them. New York City, maybe the desire, the urgency to sell is not the same as Red Bull, but it's it's still there, right? They're, they're bringing these players in to move them on. I just wonder, of course, you can, you can hang on to Tati Castellanos for an extra six months or an extra nine months, but can you build a dynasty 
when you're essentially a feeder club for a bigger club? That, that I think, is the big question. Maybe New York City for won't end up being— bigger club? I mean, you never heard of he, Manchester City? Uh, how I mean, many all of these the players other are going directly football into group? Manchester City, Seb? You said it yeah, yourself. Yeah, but, 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 right, but they don't have to move them from New York City to Manchester City to make money off them, Herc. You, you can sell them anywhere yeah, you, you want. But you're the player as well. If you're Tati Castellanos and they're saying, hey, we're going to send you off to, I don't know, whatever club they have that's mid-tier in Europe, or you're going to be an impact player, you're going to be a DP, we're offering a new contract, and New York will be your home hmm. for the immediate future. What's the decision you have to I make? I don't know. What do you, you tell me, Herc. What do you, what do you think a 23-year-old Argentine with national team aspirations is going to do? You think he's going to stay in MLS or you think he's going to go to Girona or wherever else? Girona's going to make it on yeah. the national team. He was getting national team no, looks I'm saying wherever at it is, New York wherever City it is. FC. Ah, uh, come on. Come on. I'm talking senior international looks, Herc. Senior international looks. You don't think he's a player that's going to want more than being on, on Manchester City's C team? Okay. You, that's what you think they are? Manchester City's C team? I think there's more, there's more growth there. That's why I'm saying I don't think they can be a dynasty if they're going to be a feeder team. Are you telling me they're not a feeder team? Because I think that's what they are I right now. I don't think they're a feeder, a feeder team, no. I don't think they're a feeder team. I think the New York City FC has been a very good team in Major League Soccer. But if you want to see a feeder team, I want to see exactly where these players go to. Because there are, there are other teams. FC Dallas, feeder team. Kansas City could even be considered a feeder team. Would I say are yeah, feeder teams Yeah, but they're not dynasties, Herc. That's the point. That's but, but the point. How many dynasties when you got to ship, when you, when you gotta ship right people now. in and out? The because the you Galaxy, gotta... they're all Galaxy in Seattle about the dynasties in Major League Soccer right now. Toronto that you said and is fading. What, who else? You want me to go all time or what? Just right now, you don't have so many dynasties at once. We've got a clear one in Seattle out west. Okay. And we had one in the east for a long time in Toronto. That's, that's it. You know what it takes to be a dynasty in Major League Soccer? I mean, it takes consistently getting there. It takes winning. These are things that don't just happen. It's a team that's been around only, what, five years? Yeah, yeah, five years, and they've already, uh, well, 2015, seven years. And 16. they have, uh, they've, 2000, you want to make a bet? No, I don't okay, want to make a bet. Okay, no, no, let's do it. Then don't say, then don't correct me if you're wrong. You want to make the bet? No, because I okay. was, I was in right. MLS 2016 Thank and it wasn't you. their there first you go. year. Okay, correct. That's right. Stop, Stop losing your shoes Salazar. to me. Ronnie Dyla, did you see this, Herc? <laughs> this was after the game. I saw it live. I was right there in person, maybe a couple hundred yards from this. Ronnie Dyla holding up his end of the bet, Herc. Now, he had, uh, I guess, told his players, if we win it all, I'm going to strip down to my skivvies. And not only did he do it in front of the players, Herc, he did it in front of the traveling New York City FC fans as well. Now, this isn't the first time he's done this. He did this in Norway, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> like, good on him for, for sticking to his guns and, and fulfilling the bet. But where do the push-ups come into play, Salazar? Well, when you get when you get that, you just gotta you gotta get the muscles going, you know. So you did the the push-ups, so the biceps would really be pumping right there for the for the cameras. You don't know what that's about. I lift a lot, so don't worry about it. With next weights? edition of uh, football versus soccer, which was the better spectacle? Which final, MLS Cup or la gran final de la Liga MX? Herc, which do you think was a better? Uh, payoff for your entertainment buck. I don't even think it's close. It's the Liga Mekis final. Mm. It, it's not even close. It, both legs were ridiculous. It, the goals scored in the Leon first leg versus Atlas were unbelievable goals. The, the dramatic, you know, air, or the air for dramatic, I should say, the second leg, the type of plays that happened, the type of misses that happened, the atmosphere, the narratives. Leon, one of the best regular season clubs over the last, I want to say, five or six seasons, three years, versus. Atlas looking to lift their first title in 70 years. I mean, the narratives, the play, yep. it lived up to the billing. 
everything about it was just top, top notch. Not that Major League Soccer's wasn't good, but mm. this was just so overwhelmingly great. I think I'm more inclined to like a one-off game, right? So I, the format of MLS, MLS Cup, uh, should give you a better game, right? It's 90 minutes, 120 bop. I oftentimes don't like a two-leg final, Herc. I have to say, usually two-leg finals can give you just, especially that first leg, especially in Mexico, can just be horrifically boring. But this year, you, you got to give it to Liga Mekis. That, that first leg between Atlas and León was just out of control. And the second game was, was great as well. There's a moment of drama, though, in that Portland match that, that I just think is, you know, in terms of American soccer history, and maybe this isn't a football versus soccer debate, it is such an iconic moment in Portland for that goal to happen was very special. However, Herc, outside of that moment, I didn't really hear Providence Park rock as loud as I thought it was going to rock. Where, and maybe this is unfair, maybe it's an unfair comparison because I was at Providence Park and I wasn't obviously at Estadio Jalisco. But when you're watching the game in Guadalajara come off the TV at you, the, the, the atmosphere there was just incredible. And if I, if I had one complaint about MLS, it's almost like the Timbers fans, they, they, were, they were too knowledgeable, Herc. You could sense there were there were nerves in that game. That place wasn't rocking like I thought it would. Is and that certainly knowledge? not like the Estadio Jalisco was. No. Yeah, yeah, because fans go to a final and they just cheer. But I think the Timbers fans, as that game wore on, started to get nervous, especially when Castellanos scores in the 40, 41st they're minute. Three it wasn't seconds a celebra- away from losing at home. Of course they're getting nervous. Yeah, that- it wasn't a celebratory atmosphere throughout no. the match. It was tense. But my, my issue isn't the knowledge or the understanding that you're that close to losing. It's you've got the equalizer. It happened. And then it died off. It's like somebody took the air out of that game after that Mm. goal went. You look at those two overtimes, and I understand tired legs. I've been there. But at some point, you would expect momentum momentum to carry the Timbers over, the crowd to come into play somewhat, and it didn't. It didn't look that way, at least from my vantage point on, on my couch. Spectacle has to do with a lot of things. It has to do with the soccer, yes, but it also has to do with the ambiance. And I think here, uh, both both those categories go pretty clearly, for me anyway, um, to Liga Mekis over MLS in this latest edition of Football versus Soccer. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Herc, let's move from North America to Europe. How about this? Christian Pulisic. DNP Saturday for uh, Chelsea in their 3-2 win over Leeds United. But the big news, Mundo Deportivo out of Spain reporting that Pulisic is open to leaving Chelsea this winter and that Barcelona would like to add him via loan in January. It's not the first time we've heard this rumor hurt, but it is starting to pick up steam. Which do you think would be a better home for Captain America, Chelsea or Barcelona? You're less than a year out from the World Cup. And if I'm Christian Pulisic, I want to play. I want to play. I want to be good. I understand that I'm making a lot of money. I'm one of Chelsea's top earners. I understand that Barcelona is in dire straits financially. And because of that, they're looking at free transfers or loans. If I can get a loan, if Christian Pulisic can get a loan to Barcelona, 
when you're already in a crowded field, I'm looking at the names that he's got to play with. I mean, under Tuchel, you've got Ziyech, you got Havertz, you got you got Werner, you got Lukaku, you got Hudson Odoi, you got so many different players in the mix. It's a rotation, and quite frankly, you've not proven yourself, at least in your eyes, the way you want to to Thomas Tuchel. You've not been his cup of tea. You've not mm. been the guy that he relies on. You've not been a guy that's steadily in the mix the way you feel you should. And I look at the options of Barcelona, and I say to myself, maybe there's, there's a wage cut, but I get to play consistently in a league that's not as physically for, formidable as the Premier League, so maybe my injury woes won't be mm. the same. I'm thinking this is a good thing for me. This is a good thing for Xavi because obviously everything that all the reports we've seen, is uh, he seems to like Christian Pulisic, and you're going to play before you get to the World Cup. Increase that transfer value and maybe potential sell in the future. I think it's a win-win for both. Two questions here. Should he leave Chelsea and should he go to Barcelona? I mean, we keep seeing him being used in ways that are clearly not his best position right. at Chelsea, right? We see him operating as a nine, albeit wing a back. false nine, but that's not where he, he plays best. As a right wing back, that's clearly not where Christian Pulisic either plays best or is going to play with the national team, Herc. And that's where we're focused, right? Like, What does this mean for Christian Pulisic and specifically what it means for his national team career? So what does he need to be doing? One, he needs to be healthy, which... If I go along with your logic, and it's a, a little bit of a stereotype between the two leagues, right? Oh, La Liga not as physical, but if it keeps him healthy, fine. And he's got to be playing somewhere near the position that he's going to play with the national team, right? And I think we're clearly not seeing that at Chelsea. He's not playing left wing for Barcelona, right? We assume that's Ansu Fati if he's healthy, although you really cannot assume health for anybody at Barcelona, nope. and definitely not um, Dembele Ansu just Fati. got injured, yep. But there's just a, a greater chance of him, A, staying healthy, and be starting in a position closer to what he's going to do under Greg Berhalter with Barcelona. So this this perfectly makes sense, doesn't it? I would assume so. You look at the options of Barcelona, and they're playing Sergio Dest at times at the right wing position. You could assume Christian Pulisic can easily, seamlessly slide in there and be an effective player. I think it's a win-win. Obviously, Chelsea have a luxury of riches mm -hmm. and can do whatever they want with their players. And we've seen it with the likes of Lukaku, with the likes of Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, how they don't pan out. And it's nothing to Chelsea. So we have to see. Hey, you mentioned Serginho Dest. He has been uh, starting at right wing. However, as we mentioned on the last show, Herc, you, you weren't here for it. But it's not great news for Serginho Dest after uh, Xavi's arrival. Football España reporting that Xavi's not pleased with Dest after his performance uh, in a 1-0 loss recently against Real Betis. Xavi has given Dest three weeks, supposedly, to turn it around, and the new manager is willing to sell Dest, Frankie de Jong, and Ter Stegen, according to another report. So maybe Barcelona about to clean house. Herc, is this a sign that it's time for Serginho Dest to start packing his bags? And moving on. I'm with Xavi. This is all Serginho Dest's fault. The draw today being redone, that's his fault as well. Atlas winning, that's his fault as well. Serginho Dest, hashtag todo es culpa de Serginho Dest. This, mm. is, this is what the Catalan press wants everybody to believe, that Serginho Dest is somehow at fault for all the problems at Barcelona. There's no way you could spend $30 million on a player that bad. There's no way that Manchester United all of a sudden wants a player that bad. There's no way that Bayern Munich, Julian Nagelsmann, one of, the, mm. one of the premier tactical brains of our generation, could be interested in a player like Serginho Dest that bad. If all these reports are true, if these teams are interested in Serginho Dest, 
that leads us to believe maybe he's not that bad. Mm. Maybe it's Barcelona that's the bad team. Maybe Barcelona don't have their act together. And if I'm Serginho Dest, a change of scenery can do me good, especially under a tactician like Julian Nagelsmann, if it is Bayern Munich that's interested. Okay, so Barcelona reportedly want $35 million for a player that Xavi Hernandez is telling us uh, isn't good enough to play for not just any Barcelona, right? This particular this Barcelona. Barcelona right now. Now, we've, we've seen other links in the past for Serginho Dest. It's not the first time that we've heard of interest for him beyond Barcelona, right? Remember when he was being recruited for Barcelona? It was Bayern. It was PSG. Yeah. The links that you're talking about, these are all major, major elite clubs. Is that where Serginho Dest should be going, or should he be looking for a step to a level that's maybe more accessible, where playing time is going to be more accessible to him. So, so everybody thinks they're smart. They are smarter than they really are when it comes to evaluating player talent. Are you telling me some of the best clubs in the world, like Barcelona? Bayern no, I'm Munich, not. I'm not PSG, saying that. No, I'm not I, saying you. I, I'm talking in general. In general. So, so we're to believe. But they're not that taking him there to start, Herc, and that's what matters why, to death. You're not going to spend that much money on a player that's not going to start. We're in a pandemic era. You're not spending 30 million for a player that's not going to start. <laughs> Barcelona didn't spend that for a player that's not going to start. Sergio right. PSG Dest, and Manchester City don't have the money to spend 35 million on a bench player. On a Come right on. back? No, Seb. No, no, they're not going to spend on a 21-year-old right back. No, they're not spending that much money, Seb. Teams today, teams today aren't throwing around money like that at secondary right backs. Like, let's get a grip for a second. We're, we're in a pandemic. This transfer area has taken a huge hit. Financially, teams like Barcelona are in dire straits. Not just them. All over the world. This is why the so Super you think League if wanted Dest to be created. Were to move, okay, so you think if Dest were to move to one of these big clubs, he'd get playing time there? That's why I think if Dest moves to a big club like this, it's because they want him to play. Yes, and everything comes with Serginho Dest. And don't let anybody fool you that all of a sudden these clubs don't look at who you are and what type of market they're trying to sell to. Serginho Dest can check multiple boxes. Yes. Now, if I'm Serginho Dest, this second chance is a must-do-well second mm. chance. It can't just be somewhere and it didn't pan out again because the microscope is on you now. So which club he ends up at, we don't know. But... We know he's probably going to be a starter for the national team. One name who is not going to be a starter for the national team, at least not if these reports that we're hearing out of Germany are true, is John Brooks. Herc, did you see this from our good friend Derek Ray, who helped us with the translation from a report out of Bild uh, in Germany? They're reporting that Greg Berhalter's unhappy with John Brooks' recent appearances and cites an attitude problem. The report also states that Brooks has become a, quote, problem child at Wolfsburg and that the club is unsure about renewing his reported 4 million euro per year contract. Uh, Herc, what do you make of this? This is seemingly a, a, almost like a, a hit piece on John Brooks. It sounds like a hit piece on John Brooks, right? Everything I've seen out of John Brooks from his time in Germany, his time with the national team, has never been attitude problem. Has never been he's a problem child. The most I've seen out of John Brooks to suggest that there is some sort of rift or, or maybe he's uncomfortable in a situation was in Canada, I'm sorry, in, in Nashville against Canada when he's arguing I don't even say arguing. He's glancing over at the bench in displeasure in a what are we doing type of face because there's still 0-0 versus Canada because mm -hmm. things aren't going the U.S. men's national team way. That's about the, the most negative thing I could say about John Brooks. This right here sounds like a club to me because I've seen this movie unfold plenty of times. Player negotiations. They've offered him a new contract. The player says, wait a second. 
I'm free, summer of 2022. There's a World Cup, November, okay? Why do I resign right now? Why don't mm. I sign on a free? Why don't I leave on a free? Why don't I see what happens in the World Cup? And then that transfer fee is money in my pocket. And what can the club not do? We cannot allow the player to leave on a free. Her, so all of a sudden things come out. That explains the Wolfsburg perspective. What about the comments or the what's attributed to Burhalter in this report from Bill? That's that's what would worry me if I was John Brooks. What's the connection there? I mean, Greg Berhalter played in Bundesliga. Okay. Can you know people at the build? Sure. Marcel Schaefer, the sporting director, was his teammate at 1860 Munich. Could so he you're have... saying you're saying that both the national team and his club team have turned on Brooks? No, what I'm telling you is it doesn't make sense. You said hit piece, and I think that's a great way of putting it because Greg Verhalter has never said John Brooks is a problem, has an attitude problem. John Brooks doesn't get called in. What's the first thing we see? It's John Brooks mm. put out a press, a presser, and it's, hey, I didn't get called in. I need to do better. Took the high road. And Greg Verhalter never once said, this man is a problem. His attitude with the group is a problem. So until somebody says that, until we have an official report, whether it's Wolfsburg or whether it's U.S. Soccer Federation or whether it's Greg Verhalter himself or John Brooks' mother, what is this? <laughs> John Brooks, of course, uh, one of the many champions or one of the many Americans involved in the group phase of Champions League. Did you see the draw for the knockout phase, Herc? I of did. Champions Which League. One? Things, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Which one? Uh, things went a little bit wrong. Uh, the first draw was declared void because of technical issues. Uh, I guess technically a software failure, they're calling it, which resulted in Manchester United and Villarreal being drawn against each other in the round of 16, which wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, as soon as you saw this, Herc, you were like, hey, this is something that would only happen in CONCACAF, except it happened to UEFA. <laughs> you got CONCACAF. Ah, you think it only happens here. No, 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 no. This happens there. That software had a CONCACAF glitch. You can't play the same team in the next round. How about that? UEFA getting in on a good old-fashioned CONCACAFing with their knockout round draw for the Champions League. Here's the, the official one, right? This is the second draw, uh, I'm told. And how about that? Everybody salivating over the PSG-Real Madrid showdown there in the round of 16 should be a very interesting. What do we got? Five Americans, couple Canadians, couple Mexicans, and a Costa Rican left in the Champions League, Herc. Who do you think is the CONCACAF player with the best chance to win the UCL? <clears throat> well, uh, Las Vegas thinks it's Zach Steffen and Manchester City at plus 250. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, Bayern Munich and Alfonso Davies at plus 350. Uh, I think that's easily the easiest one. If I had to bet on a team right now, I would bet uh, Bayern Munich. I would bet Alfonso Davies as being a heavily participants in that setting. I think it just makes the most sense. What's interesting to me are the rest. Chelsea defending champions are plus 700. Mm. PSG with Kaylor Navas, you would assume would be a heavy bet is plus 1,000. And if you wow, really want to go play out Madrid. there... Well, yeah, yeah, but if you really want to go out there and, and go on the line, how about putting some money on our good friend Brendan Aronson at plus 25,000? Look at that. Well, when you, when you draw Bayern Munich, that's, uh, that's going to do a number uh, on your odds for sure. I think there are probably three that we think have a realistic chance, right? Uh, Stefan, Polisic, and yeah. Davies. Those, those are your top three that you say, okay, those teams could really win it. Don't sleep on Ajax. Herc, don't sleep on Ajax and Edson. I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but like I'm a semifinal run, something like 2019, come on now. Start to believe. Yep, there it is. He fell asleep. Literally fell asleep. He really said, don't sleep on IX.
Let's run it back. Chris Richards, did you see hurt a game winner late for Hoffenheim? First right, Bundesliga goal. All right, Chris Richards. We're giving him this one. We gave him the assist last time. Are we giving him this goal? Yes, we have to give him this goal. Ah, okay. Okay. 2-1 over Freiburg for Hoffenheim, who are Oh, uh, the production just said more goals than Linus. That's a low blow. Dude, uh, Hoffenheim are fourth right now in the Bundesliga, so Chris Richards. You must have not heard me or decided Charging not to for the Champions League. No, I'm charging right on to the uh, <laughs> next run it back here as we celebrate Chris Richards. Brendan Aronson, the aforementioned, with an assist for Red Bull Salzburg. Mr. Football Americas! I mean, does this surprise you? I'm not surprised. Red Bull Salzburg, uh, they won quite easily in this game. 5-0 for Brendan Aronson and company as he notches yet another assist. Speaking of assists, Nicholas Gioacchini for Montpellier in a blowout win, 4-0 over Brest. It's a good drive, good assist, well taken. Uh, Nicolas Gioacchini. It's been a while run. since we've seen him. Yeah, run it back, uh, usually a spot for the good and certainly that's the case here. Montpellier is in fifth I think. They're on a good season there in France as well. Look at the Americans. Delors still play there? Remember him from Tigres? I do remember Delors. I don't know if he's at Montpellier anymore. Yeah he was the assist leader last season there. And finally not everything that ends up in running back is good. Oh, Raul no. Jimenez with back-to-back -back yellow cards in first half stoppage time as Wolves lose 1-0 to Manchester City. Oh no. Oh, no. Raul Jimenez, one of the cleaner. Don't get out of the way, Raul. You're going to get. No, no, don't do that. I mean, the first one is debatable, but the second one is dumb, Hurt. Well, you, you're already sitting on the first one, so yeah. stop debating. Because you're going to get your second yellow if you try debating. And, and just get out of the way. Raul Jimenez is smarter than this. Yeah. Yeah, you can stand there, you can let it hit you, but you can't stick your foot out. That's the that's the threshold. Yeah, you don't give the ref that. Look at that. much of an opportunity, but two yellows in uh, in literally just a few seconds there for Raul Jimenez as he is sent off and Wolves lose to Manchester City. Unfortunately, Herc, Wolves, who had been on a great run, uh, see that run come to an end. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's move to the college game. Shall we? NCAA soccer championships. The NCAA season wrapping up uh, over the last week or so. We'll start with the uh, men, the Division I level. Clemson beating University of Washington. 2-0 uh -oh. on Saturday. Oh. Isaiah Reed with the early goal for Clemson. One is the loneliest number that you'll have. Oh, gosh. We do need to bring that segment back, huh? Yeah, what are you doing, Portero? Uh, Clemson scored 27 seconds into the game. <laughs> Isaiah Reed adding another one there to make it 2-0. Uh, Clemson hurt getting their third national title, first since 87. Oh, is that when Gooch and Stuart Holden won it back then? No, they're not that old. Come on. Uh, well, Gooch is that old for sure. I don't know about Stu. 
they won it in 84 and 87. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. Uh, Washington, this was their first ever College Cup appearance, so disappointment there for the Huskies, but still a, a great season as they make the final, losing to Clemson by a final score of 2-0. So what about the women's final? This was last week, Herc. Florida State against Brigham Young University, 0-0 in regulation and overtime. They go to penalties, and in the penalty kick shootout, Florida State wins. Florida State building a little bit of a program there. A little bit. And where's BYU coming out of? Ah. You know, you hate you hate to see something like this defined in penalty kicks. I know we saw it in MLS Cup and, and Liga Mekis, but uh, it's just a frustration to see a season end like that. Yeah, finals everywhere and penalties everywhere. Juju Zhao there, the player for FSU to finish it. Looked like she might have taken a, a, a stop or two en route to that penalty, but counts all the same. FSU wins 4-3 on penalties. Uh, Florida State, their third national title hurt in the last eight years. Drippin' or trippin', Charlotte FC have revealed their inaugural jersey. Blue down the middle and white sleeves, Herc. Is it D or is it T? Ah, it's drippin', but not just Charlotte. I I'm having an issue right now with all the Major League Soccer uniforms. I mean, I understand you gotta deal with a major manufacturer and you want the team to do well or so the league to do well and it's an injection of money but let teams have their own say i enjoyed when major league soccer had different teams or it was the kappa whether it was nike whether it was adidas whether it was puma whatever the case may be do you remember colorado had atletico i mean i, I do i enjoyed that God, 1997, man. right? I think when they uh, when they went to the MLS Cup final. Yeah, been, man. Final. They had some classic Kappa kits as well. To your point, though, Hurl, I actually think that's why I have to give Charlotte FC the, the drip in here, right? Because it doesn't look like every other MLS jersey. I think just the differentiation of having white sleeves makes it somewhat different. Maybe it's a low bar, but but by MLS standards, it's dripping. So I thought of that. I thought of that, but that's their jersey for next season. Wait till we see the rest of their jerseys for next season. They may all have the same thing. Okay, let's do another rendition of, of Drippin' or Trippin' here. More, more choices on, on this one, so maybe you might have, might have more answers as, as well. Charlie has, Charlie has uh, for their Liga Mekis teams, a wrestling-inspired group of kits for the uh, upcoming season. Uh, Herc, what do you think here? Drippin' or Trippin'? That is some sauce, my man. That is some sauce. I'm waiting for two jerseys, three jerseys, if they will. Can you send me the Santos mm -hmm. Laguna one? Can you send me that, please? I need to have that one because that's already one of the most beautiful uniforms anyways. I want to see the, the Lucha Libre inspired Santos Laguna one by Charlie. L listen, Charlie's moving on up. They got Dude. Pizarro, they got mm -hmm. Gignac, they got some players. Yeah, these oh, are some really, really, that is a beauty. That is an absolute beauty. If my, if my enthusiasm wasn't quite there on the Charlotte FC dripping, huge enthusiasm on, on this dripping for these, these Charlie jerseys. And I think as we have said, oftentimes here on Football Americas, anything Charlie does, they do well. So Charlie right now is on fire with these uniforms. The latest edition, no doubt, dripping for their Liga MX teams. All right, Herc, in case you missed it, Former Football Americas guest, Carlos Salcedo is not getting into music. He's, he's been in music for a while, but he's got a new song out. Hoy se va with wow. Shaheen. Wow. First debut single. 
okay? He's been dabbling, but now it's out. Check out the video on YouTube. It's the new hotness. All right, let's listen to it. Why don't we? Yo, All right, what's our uh, what's our dripping or tripping for music? What do, what do we call it? Uh, hate it or love it? No, 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 no. It, it's it's the new hotness. Check it out. You, by the way, uh, from what I heard, you can download it on Spotify, Apple. What 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 other things they do? The kids do nowadays. I yes, uh, Apple Music, Apple Music, Spotify, yes. YouTube. Where you can also get, of course, get the Football Americas podcast, MySpace, um, yes, Tower Records. Yeah, you can go and, and get your My CDs eight, uh, there. Or hi-8 as well. So that does it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back Thursday, Herc, though, for a very special edition of the show as we announce U.S. Soccer's Female and Young Female Players of the Year live here on Football Americas on ESPN Plus Thursday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Do you know not you are. miss it. You know He's what Herc. to do. I'm Seb. We'll see you next time. Get taller.